my first kitchen was fucked up. My, my I mean, my first kitchen was prison. Right. Uh, cooking for fifteen hundred inmates. Uh, of course, um, mixed with Mexicans and blacks and Asians, and you did not have all the tools you needed in a prison kitchen. There was no fucking hot Cheetos. So, uh, Welcome to the ketchup. Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth, editor and. Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. All right. And welcome to the catch-up. Jeff, I want to tell you a little bit about my friend, Ali. Yeah, because, Ali, this is the first first time we're meeting. So I've seen content. I've seen Instagram stories. But I always love conversations where there's... You're kind of turning around a corner and you don't really know what's going to happen because right. that's that's just the fun the fun part of the podcast so so yeah to t- tell me what tell me what you know already because i know very limited outside of the stuff i've seen from a food beast perspective ollie i want to get to your intro in a second yes sir but what happened was a few months ago it was a rainy monday <laughs> just thinking back about this day makes me excited it was a rainy monday me izzy who writes a lot of our uh mexican themed articles too and we had been following this restaurant fatima's grill on instagram and they're known for crazy shawarma wraps mexican lebanese fusion dishes trays with beautiful like flaming hot cheetos uh skirted shawarma off beautiful dressings it's just everything are right, you making me hungry yeah, i'm starving <laughs> thinking about this and we're like, you know what, let's go. It was a very surface level idea of us wanting to go to Downey, California, which is kind of out of our way. It's not in L.A. We're in Orange County. So we we all get in the car and we go. It was magical because Mark is Lebanese coming to film this video. For some reason, he's like, I just I want some of this shawarma. As he's like, this is just a good piece to write. So we went very vanity driven. We just knew that whatever we film in this place this burrito that you said you wanted to show off a uh, shawarma quesarito filmed with flaming Hot Cheetos. We're like, look, we rolled our eyes a little bit. We're like, of course this is gonna taste good. Of course it's gonna Everybody, look but good. Izzy, his eyes blew up. Izzy was like, what's going on here? <laughs> so we show up and what we left with was more than just this clickbait of a really beautiful looking burrito. We actually learned a lot about you Ali and and your and your past and your passion for the food right now. Yes. And I had this I think it's important because I think it's gonna be a theme. Is I had this guilt while we were filming the burrito. Because while we're filming, you make this burrito, we're splitting it open, all the food looks really dope. Mm -hmm. You're sitting there on the side and you're what you're saying is really inspiring telling us you were passionate about the food going in, yes. telling us how halal the food is, all the meats that you're getting, why you actually cared about what we were filming. And at that point, I'm like, is our camera lens on the wrong item? 
should this be flipped and should we be looking at you while you tell your story? But what we came for was this burrito. But the burrito brought us there and now I want to talk to you. I want to learn more about everything about Fatima's Grill. Well, gentlemen, I'm here. Good morning, man. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Good morning. Good to be here. All right, tell, just, so Jeff, that's why, that's why well, I was here. And then give me a snapshot of the restaurant and then the roles you play in the restaurant because that's like, I'm vaguely aware, but you know, people listening to this podcast also may not be aware. You mentioned Downey. What type of like type of restaurant from a size scale? Are you cooking? Are you serving? What do you What are you doing? Well, the restaurant is not one of those uh, average, hundred and fifty, you know, capacity restaurant type. It's a little hole in the wall, nice and casual. Uh, fit about twenty to twenty five. Uh, Yes, we are located, of course, in the city of Downey, 7845 Stone Boulevard. <laughs> just gotta get that in. You know, sometimes I uh, go to sleep saying that before my prayer. <laughs> uh, it's it's just you know um, the magic that happens inside of Fatima's Grill is pretty much uh, you know what makes it fun. Um, like I explained to my man's like when they came in, they came in filming. A burrito filming a shawarma wrap and pretty much just took a whole 360 degree turn on them you know what i mean so i do a little bit of everything man uh fatima's of course is my younger daughter's name you know we named the restaurant after her after her uh my three boys ain't gonna like this but you know it was uh, <laughs> it was in between one of them three and uh i ended up picking her so Sorry, boys. Like I'll make it up sometime down the line. Um, I do a little bit of everything at the restaurant. I am the uh, inventor of the unique fusion that you see. Of course, I don't work by myself. There's a lot of family and there's a lot of uh, co-workers and cooks and people that have hands-on in what I do. So uh, I'll take about 5% of the credit. They can have 95% of the other credit because, honestly, if it wasn't for that 95, I'm not who I am today. But, I mean, that burrito brought us to a strip mall. To answer your question, Jeff, it was it's a, it's a strip mall. Like, I, yeah. it wouldn't be a place that I would stop. I wouldn't even know anything about it. So I got to give credit to you, to Instagram, Thank to you. to the wildness of what you're putting on there. And it, that's what drove us to that place. Uh, and what's, what's great about it is once we got there, outside of your story that we're about to hear, you... Everyone there was so hospitable. So yes. we're, we're eating. We're eating these this flaming hot quesarito. It's an entire burrito stuffed inside another burrito. The border of it is cheese. It's stuffed with shawarma and flaming hot Cheetos. And while that's going on, you're bringing us like fresh kibbe. You're bringing us fresh yes. Yes. Uh, meat pies. And, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't see any of this on the gram. I didn't see any of it. Like, I was like, oh shit! They actually have real deal food here. Oh yeah, indeed. I mean, we have authentic Middle Eastern food. The fusion is just something that what we live in right now. It's 2018. Everybody's on Instagram. Everybody's. I mentioned earlier, the food game is like the rap game years ago. Everybody's trying to drop a fucking hot record, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a, a, a banging diss track. And this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to just like come with that heat, man. You know what I mean? Every day. I mean, it's 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 just it's just something new. But like you mentioned, some of that stuff is not on our menu, but we do 
you know, served that, which was the kibbe and it's the uh, the meat pies with the cheese. Your boy upstairs fell in love with that stuff, you know, yeah. all that cultural stuff. So, uh, well, and that's, and, and that's what the internal story was for within the office was we went to this place for this news news value item, crazy, over the top, flaming hot. But then Eli kept talking about all of the other food, right? Yes. And so from the media perspective, we were there, we were fil- filming something, and then but everyone was talking about Fatima's in a different way outside of that food. Because I think a lot of the conversations that happened, just like with this rainbow pizza that got brought back the other day, yeah, like the conversations like... That's massive, by the way. Like... Yeah, like I mean, yeah, yeah, we're we're experiencing it, and like yeah, we all get the media value, but then we're all rolling our eyes in the background, right? Because we get why people want to see it, and we get why it p- can potentially sell, but then it's hard, like the per not the media entity, the person. Hey, it's just like looking at Takashi Six Nine on a pizza, man. Everybody rolls their eyes and they look at all those goddamn colors. So you know, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Izzy, did you try that? P- who who tried that pizza? I'm just curious. So they brought it back to the office. This it's from Dagwood's Pizza somewhere in LA, rainbow colored pizza. And people asked me what I thought about it. I was it like, came across my Instagram feed. Look, and I looked at it like, okay. What's your this, first thought? Uh, we are on some millennium shit now. Like, <laughs> come on, man. this is crazy. Well, like, but that's what's crazy to me is like, is it much different than like, yeah, you're, hot a, you're a hot Cheeto guy <laughs> calling out calling out the rainbow pizza? Like to me, they're equal. And oh no, I, no, no! Don't get me wrong. I give props to where props is due. <laughs> now that's some creative shit, but I'm not gonna eat no rainbow pizza. <laughs> that's just me. Just give me a regular cheese pizza, thin crust, throw some pineapples on that bad boy, and let's keep it moving. Rainbow is not for me. It might be for Izzy. He's got a shirt on there with a lot of pizza on there. It's not for me, though. Not for me. Okay, so let's let's go back, because I'm curious how you even got into cooking, owning a restaurant. Um, where were you born? I was born in Detroit, Michigan, 313. Shout out, Dearborn. <laughs> yes, I'm a, uh, I'm a 313 baby, East okay. Coast cat, so... Uh, that's where I was born. My uh, my father used to work for Henry Ford mm-hmm. at the Ford Company. We moved out here, I think, when I was about four or five. Cool. From Lebanon? No, from Detroit. I was born here. From Detroit. Here. You're yeah. born here. Yeah, I'm born here. Don't try to say I'm not an American citizen. I'm, I'm an American not American citizen. <laughs> Don't try to take that away from me. I just want people to know you. They might not see. Uh, there's no visuals right now on the podcast. Yeah, not a little bit of my, just because you own a Lebanese-Mexican fusion joint, I don't think people should assume anything about your about your race who knows don't we all just assume these days Everybody we all do assume, but right? i'm trying not to right. i'm trying not to so uh born in detroit how yes. long were you in detroit for uh until i was maybe like four or five okay and okay then, you know, pops moved out here and it's uh, pretty much been a wrap after that cool so we're in california so what did you I when mean, did you get introduced to food specifically and knew that that was a direction for you well recently i uh i was on vacation like in lebanon and i mentioned to uh to my man that uh, I don't know if he was paying attention to my stories. I get it from my mom. My mom really started in the kitchen years ago. And uh, what led to me uh, being in the kitchen was uh, some unfortunate um, decisions I made at a young age. I did some prison time. And uh, I had some job offerings in prison. As a matter of fact, I did my time in Yuma, Arizona. And it was either uh, doing laundry or uh, being in the kitchen. Yeah. So I chose the kitchen, and that's pretty much where I got introduced for the first time 
mm. being in a kitchen with actual utensils, pots, pans. The only thing that was missing was my mom, pretty much. So yeah. other than that, that's you know pretty much why I got introduced. Because when you're young, I mean, my mom, I saw her cook a lot. Right. But I never learned anything. I was passionate about what she was cooking. It was good. And I liked that. And you know, we said a lot of no's to what mom was used to cook back in the days. Like, no, we don't want to eat this. We don't want to eat that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> right? but, so. Let's not front. Like, I, <laughs> half the time, half the time she was giving me, like, pitas to take to school. And I'd be and like, you this. wanted pizza. Yeah, I wanted exactly. pizza. <laughs> yeah. He didn't you want the TA. He wanted yeah. the ZZA, the IZZA. <laughs> I always wanted the hot lunch. I wanted the mayo and white bread. I was like, why do I have to keep eating this pita in front of my friends <laughs> looking the other way? Did you ever get that growing up? Like, did you? did you get packed stuff to school you're like nah dude you know what uh moms used to come through in the clutch man moms even though we used to you know shout and pout and 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 pound about what we don't want to eat at the end of the day man once you get to that first period second period like the fuck is this doing in my bag you know what i mean like (laughs) oh the little hidden gems yes like oh i didn't know you packed this peanut butter on pita for me so (laughs) that was just me (laughs) well well because i feel like parents play the long game where they know you're frustrated in the moment of whatever they're making on a regular basis and they know as soon as you turn into an adult you're going to look back on all those meals and miss every single one of yes, them because indeed. once you make it yourself it's just I mean, another some of level us on this table i don't know if anybody is a parent here but i'm a parent and back then we never looked at how we look at things now so it's the same with our kids now like i'm like damn man you know what now everything is coming together. The pieces to the puzzle are coming together. Well, mom used to say, rip. Now everything <laughs> is making sense. So learning process, man. I, I think everything is just a learning process, whether we want to really stand our fucking ground then and there and listen to what they have to say. Unfortunately, uh, you know, some of us don't have our parents around, so we can't really, you know, relate and tell them, you know what, you were right. But, you know, look, shout out to all moms, all dads. Keep on going hard. Stuff that goddamn pita in the backpack. <laughs> so, Ali, what, what was, what was the, your first kitchen like? And who was in it? And who were you learning from? And what were you cooking? My first kitchen was fucked up. My, my, I mean, my first kitchen was prison. Right. Uh, cooking for 1,500 inmates. Uh, of course, uh, mixed with Mexicans and blacks and Asians. And you did not have all the tools you needed in a prison kitchen. There was no fucking hot Cheetos. So, uh, there was no certain pots, no certain pans. So you really pretty much had to, you know, you know, work some fucking MacGyver shit you know, <laughs> behind the scenes. You know what sure. I mean? Uh, Give me an example of MacGyver shit that you'd have to do. Fuck, man, that makes me sound old in this goddamn podcast. <laughs> MacGyver. I mean, you would have to pretty much put together... Uh, a burrito with having to heat it up in a goddamn microwave. So it's like... Um, so the kitchen for the jail was not equipped with the shit that you would expect. So like no, no flat top. No, because, like, you know, it's hazardous, it's dangerous, you know, they get afraid for contraband. You know, there's not a lot of equipment uh, like that they, that they allow, can allow in there. So you got to pretty much work with whatever the fuck you got in front of you, which was the microwave was your was your number one. I mean, that right there was your number one. You had a lot of uh, spoons. You had a lot of bowls. You had a lot of fucking Top Raymond. You had a lot of uh, uh, um, uh, chili. You had bell peppers. You had onions. You had cheese. But the cheese you get in a little, you know, little... Squeeze tube? Squeeze tube or yeah. a, a patch that you buy at 7-Eleven. So you were limited. So 
that's how I pretty much got introduced. And, you know, like the first couple of months, I, I, I would have observed from afar at a few other, you know, Mexican cats that were uh, doing their thing in the kitchen. And I just, you know, just did some homework and put some of that stuff together until I got my opportunity. Okay, it's your turn. So, What are you trying to prove in, in as a cook in jail? I'm curious because it's like, because um, when you when you get in, do you you said you chose to be yes a chef? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't trying to fold nobody's draws. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> what are the options? Like, I think a lot of people are going to be curious. I'm curious. Like, cool. Something happens. You get locked up, and now it's like, if you have the option to cook, I feel like that's a pretty, that's a much better option than folding clothes, like cleaning bathrooms. Or do they put you on rotation? Do you have to go do all that stuff? Uh, sometimes they put you on rotation. Cleaning bathrooms is something that you're never going to get away from. Uh, even that, you will get on the list maybe once or twice a month in prison. So that right there, I don't give a fuck who you are. You are going to clean some toilets and you are going to scrape some uh, scrape some showers. But, you know, the kitchen just happened to open up and uh, it was just a light that I haven't seen you know, like in a dark tunnel for a while leading into my imprisonment. So I just, you know, jumped on it. And took was, it. was there a moment where after you've been working in the kitchen for a while where you found some sort of combination where you were like, fuck, this is good. I'm saving this for myself or I need to illuminate other people. I can use Top Ramen in this way and mix it with this. Like, was there any moment that you had of like, you were able to get food that you wanted because you can kind of control your own destiny a bit more in a kitchen versus coming to a mess line and receiving whatever's like being served? I knew that I struggled when I created my own hot sauce in prison. Uh, The guys have had it. Uh, It's delicious. And I kind of looked around me and seen who was working with me in the kitchen. Okay, this guy's doing 25, 30 years. He's not getting out anytime soon, so he's not going to fuck with my hot sauce. <laughs> he, he, uh, this guy's doing 15. He lives in, you know, Utah. This guy's in, you know. So I pretty much, you know, kept eyes behind my head as well to see who my surroundings were. And, of course, I would write that stuff down, but not with a pen and a pad because that stuff was not allowed inside of the kitchen. So I would pretty much memorize everything until I got comfortable and, and uh, asking for the commissary list. And when you get back to your cell, you can write stuff down like that. So every day I would you know, take notes and take it back to the cell. So if you weren't you and it seemed like you had a, you were driven, there's a passion, there's, there's something outside of jail. What is the goal of a chef in there? Like, are you trying to please, like, do you get a pat on the back from people like, oh, that meal was good. Thank you. Or is it just like, Serve 1,500 people however you can. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to serve them water and packets. You know what I mean? Because I don't give a fuck. I mean, it's not like they're 1,500 Yelpers. (laughs) I mean, they're not going to, you know, go on Yelp and give you a a fucking shitty review, (laughs) whether they like it or not. Imagine. They have, fuck, you'd be that fucking below half a star, I think. Uh, They have no choice but to enjoy. It's the meal that they're going to get. And when you're doing something, why not throw some fucking passion in there? Like uh, everybody knows they're outdated. You know, there's some people that are unfortunate and that are, you know, not going to ever get out. And, uh, you know, you just have to, you know, be positive knowing that you do have an outdate. You are one of those that is going to come home one day. So just uh, pretty much, you know, take the best of it and uh, make it work. And why not, you know, you know, slap all that love and all that passion on a plate where you can feed people 
yeah, you know, sometimes when you're in the child line, when you're not working, uh, hey, man, I wish you were back there. That shit feels good, man. You know what I mean? Or when you're in the <laughs> weight room or you're trying to play ball with them crazy-ass fucking ballers on the court. But uh, they tell you, hey, man, look, that was that was some bomb shit, man. And uh, thank you. So, you know, uh, uh, words of wisdom on the inside when you seem to be caged out from the outside, you know, just goes a long way. This is yeah. going to sound unrelated at first, but I promise I'll get back to it. So my dad grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. And my grandma had a set schedule of meals. So my dad would eat meatloaf on Monday. He would eat like chicken casserole on Tuesday. He'd eat delicatessen on Wednesday, so on and so forth. That was set for his almost his whole childhood, right? Maybe they eat out on a Friday night, maybe not. But so he can't eat those meals anymore because he he ate them every week for however long i remember one time i was at my pop's place and i made this adobo meatloaf and i was like really proud of it because it incorporated different flavors and flavors that i was excited to try right and it was just my pops and i at home and so i was like i'll make us a meal and this was before i started cooking the way i do now where i i made a meal 10 times a year right versus like five to ten times a week now but right my dad wouldn't touch it and he wouldn't touch it not because he didn't love me or respect what i was doing he just had this instant reaction to anything meatloaf and and what my question to you ali was is there a limited set of ingredients within a prison kitchen and so are you guys getting the same thing like all the time well, we are had you set making meals them? Oh, we so had set, set meals, meals on a monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday but the weekend is where we had to pop off like we can do whatever really? the fuck we wanted to do. Yeah. That's, the weekend that's is really when, interesting. Yes. The weekend is pretty much where we can do whatever we want. And that's where I had an opportunity to pretty much, okay, this is where I'm going to showcase some of this fucking fire. Jail top chef. Yeah, this, yeah. This, <laughs> and you would look where, forward to the weekend. Yes, right? because, you know, there's a lot of scripts in front of us here on the table besides all these bottles of waters and stuff like that. We would get a commissary list every Sunday evening. And that commissary list was from 1 to 50, whether it was dairy, um, salmon packs, uh, what kind of chips. And we get like the little small chips. We only had Cool Ranch Doritos, Fritos, and uh, Nacho Cheese Doritos. Those were the only three. They're not trying to give you none of that shit whether you're going to be on the fucking toilet all night. You know I mean? So <laughs> we had certain ingredients like that we had to choose from. And we only had a, a shot to showcase what you know the cooks had to do was on the weekend yo that was wild imagine everyone like on friday be like yo i can't wait for top chef <laughs> jail edition there would be a lot of Saturday. people you know what and there was some damn good meals man from monday through friday you know so there was some people that uh, uh don't eat me uh um exchange their tuesday meals for a saturday meal or hey you know what look i'll give you all my my apples and my bananas and my carrots and my bell peppers give me that meal on a saturday so when i started seeing that the first ever you know, item I pretty much threw on on the uh, on the menu. Look in Safford, Arizona, was a burrito with the Doritos, beans, cheese, and the top Raymond. That was you're the, doing Robin burritos in yes, prison. That, the OG. Right? And you know what's so and you know what's so crazy when I'm in bed now, like around twelve, twelve thirty at night. That's the time 
when I brainstorm and a top Raymond comes on food beast, I'm like fucking flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> and I see I see all that shit is like it's lit now, you know what I mean? It's it's you know, it's it's the next big thing. I'm like, I used to do this shit, man. You know what I mean? Like, like now Fubi's covering jail yes, food. <laughs> yes. So that was the first ever item, and you know what? You know, some people are like, man, this is some garbage, some but <laughs> I gotta give a shout out to all my African Americans and my Mexicans because they chowed the fuck down when it came to those burritos on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> and then it took the Asians a while, and then it took uh, um, the non-Asians, the non-blacks, the non-Muslims, the non- then the the white man started, hey, this is some good fucking shit, man. Like, okay, <laughs> we're getting somewhere here. And then that the burritos led to, to crazy quesadillas, of course, not the colored quesadillas like that I showcase now on Fatima's Grill on the Instagram. No, you know, we would get those regular white corn tortillas, but I would work with what I could. So, you know, to answer your question, yes, set meals Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but Saturday, Sunday, man, you just do you, man. Top Chef, this is That's wild. wild. Because people make fun, they're like, oh, this is like a jailhouse spread. They might see something on Foobies, but like it legit But it is a jailhouse spread. I mean, like, why, you know, be behind the bush? There's nothing wrong with a jailhouse spread. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain things in life. I mean, that we look at and, and, and take for granted for like a simple remote control that we have no access to when you're in prison. So it's a privilege, man, to, to wrap up a fucking jailhouse spread. I mean. That was one of the energies I felt when we came that original day to film that burrito. And watching you talk about the food was in a way, people have passion towards food. Yes. Right? Like that's, that's not new. What I felt from you was this and I didn't know where it was coming from because I didn't know your story yet. It felt like you had a chip on your shoulder and it felt like whatever you were, you were talking about this burrito, like it might be the last burrito you ever had, that it might be the last, like you really need to appreciate everything in this burrito. I didn't know where the hell that was coming from. The chip on my shoulder is uh, uh, is absolutely 100% just the way you put it. When you get out of prison, there's not a lot of opportunities that are you know given to you before you go to prison you're a convicted felon whether you like it or not it's a stamp just like a stamp on your passport uh jobs are going to be hard to get uh housing hard to find yes indeed um i mean from the support of you know family you know i was fortunate enough to uh you know come out and you know find housing and, and a shelter um, I was turned down by a lot of people that were so-called friends, so-called for a job opportunity specifically. Oh, yeah. When I came out, of course, uh, I went to the halfway house in the city of Echo Park. Uh, that's somewhere where you have to pretty much report for the first three to six months after your um, imprisonment, and they give you uh, uh, the weekends to go and look for jobs. So you know, I had uh, I was in the clothing business, you know, prior uh, to. Uh, yeah, before because I think we're yes. it, it, learning about how you grew your business is I important. But what, the, what, where, how old were you, and what were you doing before jail? Like, what, what, what does that look like? I was a successful business owner in the city of Paramount, California. Um, Hip Hop Connections. Um, I think I remember the address was eighty five thirty eight East Rosecrans in the city of Paramount. You are good with addresses. There's something <laughs> weird about the poetry Shit. you throw to it's addresses. Fucking scary, right? You know what I mean, back then it was. Uh, MySpace, mm-hmm. I believe. So that's how far back. And um, I was one of the elite uh, clothing kings back then. You know, Sean John, Nietzsche, academics, 
uh, all that stuff was fire. Uh, yeah. You know, five four iceberg everything. Damn! So you knew your I streetwear. Was, okay. I was the first one to introduce LRG to LRG. Huh. So, uh, so you owned a clothes like so. Tell me about it. You owned a clothing store mm-hmm. and, and I, curated I, all this stuff. I had all major accounts from all these clothing lines. Shout out to all those accounts that you know showed love when I got out. You know, some of them had some some checks in the mail for me, which I appreciated. Uh, you know, they helped out. So you meet a lot of people in the clothing game. You know, you go to a lot of convention shows, you go to agenda shows in San Diego, you go to Vegas shows, magic show and all that. As a matter of fact, there's a show in Vegas right now, you know, like we're mid-August. So you're pretty much top notch. I mean, we're talking FUBU days, man. Mm -hmm. You know, like. Those are heydays of fashion. At least street fashion. It was heydays. So I was the first one to introduce that here, you know, like in Paramount, California. Uh, when I got out of prison, there was a lot of people who I used to do business with out here in the clothing game and, you know, said, Hey, you know, let me go see if, you know, they can help, you know, help me out. I need a job. I was turned down by a lot of people, which I thank every single one of them for closing the door in my face today. I appreciate the no's and no, we're not hiring because that's pretty much what fucking drives me every day. Mm. Those closed doors. Oh yeah. And you seen that drive. Yeah. And you seen there was, okay, this guy is kind of pissed off you know what i mean like he's and i always have a chip on my shoulder because um i still carry look my prison id with me but it's not in my pocket right now but i carry it for motivation uh i look at it sometimes and be like okay i'm not trying to go back here but i'm gonna make i'm gonna make sure that i remember everybody who said no uh everybody who said unfortunately we're not hiring at the moment everybody who you know turned their back which I still love and welcome, and if I ever see in public, I'll still shake their hand. I'll be the first one to stick my hand out. So, uh, no love lost. Just you always got to keep a memory of uh, of who shut those doors, because those doors really, you know, take you places in life. And you know, it's brought me here. And we all we're all human, and we all get into varying gravities of trouble, yes. right? Like growing up, and then we all can look back on it and be like, "This is." A- I, I would have not done that. Nobody's and you perfect. pass that on to your kids, you pass mm-hmm. that on to your friends and family, like, don't do this, don't do that. Like, where did it, like, where did it go? Like, right, like, when you were you were in the clothing game and things seemed to be good, like, what, what happens next? Like, what, uh, like was, what can we avoid? What can... When you succeed at a young age, uh, it's like these young NBA ballers that come out of college, high school, and they see a lot of money on the table thrown at them. And you sit back now and you're like, and you're watching them on 30 for 30, like what the fuck ever happened to this guy? Like why? It's the same thing that happened to me. I seen so much money come my way. Back then I was just overwhelmed. Um, Kind of lost focus on what I was doing besides the clothing got mixed in with, you know, some people that I shouldn't have uh, got mixed in with and uh, was pretty much incarcerated for uh, uh, intent to distribute cocaine and methamphetamine. And, uh, you know, they slapped me with some time and throughout the trials and the tribulations and uh, the halfway houses and the violations. And it was a, it was a hell of a motherfucking roller coaster of a ride. Now, I'm a father. At the time, I was a father of five. Uh, three boys, two girls. Um, I lost my uh, teenage daughter 
uh, about four years ago in a uh, fatal car accident back home in the Middle East. So that's one of the burdens that I, you know, carry with me. Besides, you know, her being my personal guardian angel, it's something I carry with me every day. Um, this is who I do it for. I don't do it for nobody else. Um, no female, no lover, nobody will ever come and replace her, you know. Uh, I don't wish it on nobody. Losing a teenager is just, man, I mean, losing a cat or a dog at home is devastating. But losing your flesh and your blood, your heart, your soul, your vein, just pretty much uh, fucks you up. It fucked me up for a while. Um, it took me a long time to really get back on my feet and focus. And uh, at the time, um, it was just pretty much down here after that. You know, I, you know, I'm a Muslim. I started smoking weed, you know, started drinking. Uh, not a lot of people know, you know, not a lot of people know this, but, uh, you know, it's time to bring it out. And, you know, I had a black alley, man. You know what I mean? I, I just blaming myself. Why did I have to send her back home for the summer? You know, just, you know, demons talking to you and, and just a lot of shit was going on. And this is after you've gotten out. Yeah, it's after yeah. I got out. So, uh, I mean, all this time I'm in prison, you know, she's there writing letters and, you know, I get out and, you know, we spend some time together. Things happen to, you know, look look great for me, you know what I mean? Sky's the limit. And then, boom, I get hit with this, you know. Certain cards that the Lord uh, uh, deals us in life, we just got to you know, deal with it. And, you know, this was a, a card that really taught me a lesson, put me in my spot. Don't wish it on nobody. Don't wish it on your worst enemy. And it's something that, uh, like I said, I uh, carry with me every single day until I meet her again. What was the <clears throat> What was the point where you have all this energy and doing, doing something for your lost daughter, you have all these opportunities or doors kind of being shut in your face where you decided that it's time to do it for me. It's time to make my own business, start my own business again. Like, when was that a realization? Like, fuck the closed doors. I'm going to do this myself. Use that energy that I have. Do this for my family. Like, when's when the time to get on this restaurant game five and start months. crushing it? Five months in, after the halfway house in Echo Park, uh, PO officers looking at me like, "Okay, Ali, you're about to, you know, approach your sixth month here. You haven't got a job. Uh, whether you get a job or not, we can't hold you for more than six months. That's it. I mean, it's it's about to be the real deal. Like you're going out to the real world now, and it's it's hard for a lot of people that are in prison and are going to come home if you." have a chance to listen to this podcast or somebody can, you know, save it for you. The world is a cold place now. It's 2018, man. If you're not ready for it, it's just going to eat you up and spit you out somewhere in fucking Angola. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I mean, I don't know where, but, and I just, okay, Mike, like, fuck, you know, six months of coming out, opportunity knocked. Uh, there was a uh, meat market that was up for sale in the city of Bell. And it was called, uh, I think, Habiba Grocery or something like that back then. I was like, you know, somebody came and told me, hey, man, there's a meat market for sale. I'm like, dude, 
from fucking Sean John jeans to being a butcher. Like, come on now. <laughs> like, this is not me. Like, I can't do it. It's like, man, just give it a shot. So my cousin, uh, uh, you know, spoke to the owners and said, you know what, there's somebody that wants to come in for like six months and give it a shot. If after six months, you know, look, we'll work on a, on a deal and you know, try to get some loans from the bank and, you know, we'll purchase this bad boy. Um, took me four months, man. It took me four months, you know, the meta, the Middle Eastern products, the tea, the pita bread, the meat, the stuff like that. I mean, I'm a guy that's not even knowing what the fuck is going on. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, like, this is not even me. You, know you better I mean? learn like, this store up yeah, and like, down. Like I better you're... learn this shit now or, you know, it's just doomsday after that. Mm. And there was a, there was a hood and a grill right under there. And I'm looking at it like a fucking Ouija board. Like, <laughs> down, like I'm, like I'm, like I'm in the attic in fucking Detroit, and it's it's just fucking talking to me. You know what I mean? Like it's like, open me, open <laughs> me. You know what I mean? So I'm looking at the fucking grill. I'm like, dude, I used to do this shit in prison, man. What the fuck am I doing, wasting time watching Middle Eastern ladies come in here with all due respect, buy a pound or two pounds of beef or chicken, and buy groceries when you can light a fire under this motherfucker right here and make it happen. One day, I came in like 11 o'clock at night, just by myself. I lit it up. I had some tortillas with me. The onions and the cilantro were there. And I had the list that I had brought out from prison with me when it came to the commissary stuff. The only problem is that some of the stuff is not available at our local markets, restaurant depots, Costco. <laughs> so I'm like, where am I going to get this fucking shit from? What's some of that stuff that's, that just wasn't available? If I tell you, it's not a secret. Yo, jailhead. Oh, Top notch, man. It's oh, fucking wow. all jailhouse. Imagine jailhead like, jailhead like dragon fruit that you get. I, I can't find it at this fucking Habibi store anymore. So, so you know what? I said, okay, tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to go to the nearest, you know, um, wholesaler and see if I can, you know, scatter some of this stuff up with me and bring it here. I started with tacos, man. I started making regular carne asada tacos and regular chicken tacos. And it just, it started. The momentum started. It just started going. Shots were going in. I mean, like, I'm, I'm fucking shooting from Oceanside. That fucking shit is going in. Like, <laughs> the grill is a wide open basket for me. Tacos turn into quesadillas. Quesadillas turn into burritos. Burritos turn into fucking crazy fries. And that's pretty much where I introduced the carne asada fries in the city of Bell. What are these Middle Eastern women coming into your shop thinking? Well, they were looking at me like I'm fucking crazy. (laughs) I mean, they're not used to seeing this average guy. I mean, as you can see, I'm in my shorts. I'm fucking tatted up everywhere. They're like, this guy is, uh, nah, he looks like a fucking biker, man. You know what I mean? Like, he's, but he's, He's making this shit happen. And I get on the gram and they're seeing all type of different people coming into this market. Like they're just used to seeing pretty much the people around the city of Bell come in and purchase this halal meat and this halal chicken. They're like, wait, man, this guy's got office people coming in. This guy's got outsiders coming in. There's people taking pictures. It was more of a fashion trend. Exactly what I used to do at the clothing store. You know, I took that and ran with it. I said, I'm going to take this and run with it. And... Honestly, it was like really my daughter stuck her hand from above and just said, do it. Here you go. 
and it's 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 just been i'm as you can see i'm like i'm overwhelmed i mean that's so wild ever since man so okay so this is that was still the meat store yes in the market yes. so at what point are you like yo i'm selling too many of these quesadillas out the back of the shop there's had to be a turning point there was a turning point one day when uh i just you know came home and did the numbers and i said to myself you know what uh i think it's time to transform and i think it's time to branch out because you can't cut yourself in half when it comes to um a restaurant and a meat market you gather you you either have to do one perfect one put it on the map or you know balancing it's just like having two fucking hot holly berries man you know what i mean like you can't <laughs> bury them monday here tuesday here wednesday there's just no way yeah so i made a decision uh, uh i found a buyer uh, uh i found a buyer which is um uh something that was hard to do and i used those funds and i found a location in downey that was already a set kitchen somebody was going to open up a restaurant uh plans didn't fall through it was offered to me and it was checkmate after that man game over uh, what year is this this was 2000 late 2015 is when i made the move early so 2016 almost three years over yeah. three years uh almost yeah almost that's crazy so you open up was it the grill that we know today the kind of mexican lebanese I, fusion or was it did it continue as more like tacos because what meat you were throwing on like your halal meats but was it it's funny because if well, you, you've been in the kitchen. If you ever mm -hmm. come back in the kitchen again, which uh, we're looking forward to having you again. Um, I took that grill with me that started from the meat market. It's, it's at the restaurant. Oh, that's what's up. That's just pretty much my baby. You know what I mean? It's got a lot of motherfucking miles on it, too. A lot of grease, but it's the one. It's the one. How, how many people are, are working there right now, and what, what does the future look like? Um, we are a staff of, uh, seven to eight rotating employees, mm. uh, including a family member. The future looks bright. I'm, um, actually, uh, in the process of, uh, bottling my hot sauce and, uh, working hot on- Hot sauce so fucking fire. It's fire. Oh my gosh. It's so fucking fire. You can see he's been same? rubbing the fucking pad of the yeah. sticker on he his- Yeah, he gave uh, me a sticker. I was so passionate yeah. about it. I have two <laughs> stickers on my laptop. It's the Food Beast one and the Fatima's Crew. <laughs> hot sauce all these hot sauce but we we had an interesting convo about the hot sauce because there was a one it should be bottled two it should be in stores everywhere wait but is this the same hot sauce in prison the like how close it's, it's it's super close i found a location in modesto uh that carries the commissary these same commissary items for federal institutional prisons in arizona uh and i had to go back to see my federal judge and he had to get in contact with my lawyers so he can give me permission to go on one of the compounds in san diego where they ship all this stuff to the prison and just to purchase this stuff and then after that pretty much was like I was like, dude, this is a fucking movie, man. I'm this is a, that's like, a <laughs> like where they fucking box up all this commissary stuff. Like this stuff is going to fucking cell block five and four and three. Like, and I'm looking at it. You know what I mean? So I, I was, you know, fortunate enough to pretty much, you know, get the stuff I needed. And now it's, you know, out here looking, looking Los Angeles. So there's, you know, there's a couple of spots where they sell what I need. But that first ever batch was all the way looking. Those are far lengths. For yeah. a hot sauce. Yes. That is probably the best hot sauce origin story yeah. I've 
ever heard. Because we, 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 we talk about it here a lot. Hot sauces are boring. Like, if you think about it, the, when we get pitched hot sauces, there's all, so much of it all everywhere. The there's same. Just so yes. many. They're yeah, all the fucking so same. And they, no discredit to them. A lot of them taste oh, of fire. Yes. Like, literally and mental. Like, they're amazing hot sauces. What a weird request you make to your judge. I can see. I, oh, my. What, <laughs> hey, I need a. You, you know, know he I, looked at me like when I walked in with my with my PO and my attorney's like, literally, you can tell, what the fuck is he doing here? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Wait, you want to go back to him? And I was shitting bricks. Honestly, I was like, fuck this guy. I'm not trying to see this guy again. But it was so you had to go to just to confirm, you had to go back to your federal judge to, to get, get permission, permission to go on the compound to to purchase, purchase the same ingredient set that stuff. you had yes. in the compound. Not a lot of people know this, man. Not a lot of people know this. Like I've really kept a tight you know, grip on all this. So, stuff, you've, tr- so. you've tried to, because we talked about this, you tried to like present this hot sauce to buyers oh, and stuff like I've that. I've been, the- I've been to uh, uh, Costco's, I've been to uh, uh, Sam's Club, and I've been to a few places where I've had to sit, like I'm sitting with you guys, and there was a board of five, six, or seven individuals where everybody would give their opinion, you know, just. To hit the shelf because what are you bringing to the table? There's a fucking million hot sauces like on our shelves here. Like, what the fuck? Like, why is yours any different? You know what I mean? Um, everybody fell in love with the hot sauce. Unique, uh, different. It's got that fucking kick. I mean, you think you can take a sip, two or three, like it's a bottle of water, but it's gonna fucking creep up on you a little bit later. The only problem is that you know most of the members of the board wanted me to change the name from Ali to something shorter and not that pitch, and I wasn't gonna do that. Uh, that's something that's been with me through thick, thin, hard times, black, cold nights, lonely nights, Christmases, Thanksgiving, all that shit. So for me to change who I am, to get on your shelf, I'm This hot sauce is part of your identity. Yes, this, this is, is who I am. Yeah, do they have suggestions? Uh, no, just pretty much, uh, change the name, come back. They change say. the name. Well, look, it's 2018. L- like I mentioned to you guys, when you guys came to the restaurant, there should never be no color lines in anything we do in life, whether it's food, you bring a, a female to the house, uh, whether you make comments on social media about there should be no color lines in anything. And my hot sauce is breaking the barrier. It's for all and everyone. And it should say Ali's signature hot sauce. I'm not gonna change it. Like I don't give a fuck if your check is zero 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 zeros, and there's a lot of money to be made. I'm not doing it. Not doing it. That's what's up, man. I was about to offer you fifteen million dollars. <laughs> it looks like there's no dollar amount, so I'm just gonna cut this check right up. So that's pretty much where the hot sauce stands, man. Big now, part of me. Now that you're in the restaurant industry and you're an employer and you have the a unique opportunity to continue to provide those second chances is that something that you've had the opportunity to do are you open to it and if so what's your experience been like i've been very open to that uh, i've hired a few convicted felons whether it was in the uh, city of bell location and the city of Downey, some as uh, dishwashers, some as uh, food preps, uh, cutting up vegetables. You know, they've got the job for a couple of months, of course, you know, they've 
they're coming out of halfway houses, so they need somewhere where they can uh, report start. and start. Uh, none of them are, you know, with us. Unfortunately, everybody has uh, moved on, but they still come back in with their girlfriends or their or, or their kids or their family, and they pay homage. But I don't want to be looked at, you know, some type of, you know, you know king where I I did something. I'm just doing what nobody did for me. You know, um, I just don't like to say no, man. Everybody deserves everybody deserves an opportunity and a second chance. I mean, he may be fucking laced up and tatted up and doesn't mean he's a bad guy. You know, doesn't mean he can't get a job. You got a crazy amount of different people that come to your restaurant. You got NBA players. And you've seen that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's wild. Like, yeah. there, there could be uh, someone just off work selling insurance, and then you have a group like us that are really interested in taking photos of food. Again, you know, NBA players, musicians, whatever. Like, yeah. how – I'm curious because they're seeing the wild food on the gram. Like, that's yes. where a lot – like, that's the best – I think you're crushing the Instagram game there. How much – of your business is predicated on like that shock stuff and then how much people are, are are they ordering the shawarma wraps and the other really good food that you have there like and how do you feel about all that well stuff? intentionally you know going into fatima's grill was all pretty much about middle eastern food about beef shawarma chicken shawarma chicken kebab beef gyro the hummus the fatouche the pita bread you know like the garlic all that now it's more I'm not even gonna lie, man. It's about 75, 80% more of that fucking crazy shock wow. shit than. Damn. Damn. That's a lot. That, that's a lot. That's a huge percentage. That's a huge percent. And it's, 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 it's just something that I can't control. Earlier, I mentioned to you guys, I've been trying to step away from the Hot Cheetos game, but it's just. Keeps pulling you back in. It's that cash me. register. <laughs> keeps calling me like Poogie from New Jack City. It's calling me. It's calling me. So it's like, I just can't. So it's, it's, it's a huge. Huge margin of difference. Yeah, I mean that's that's so fascinating because you, the way people describe your place, they usually start with the flaming hot Cheetos, yes. and that, I think that's a, a challenge. I don't have an answer. I just think it's an interesting conversation. Is you can bring people in, and you your food is good, so you have repeat customers. But yes. how do you tell the story about the other foods? Because I think that's where your long game is. Well, I think I think Fatima's tells the story itself. And you mentioned that's where the long game is. If if this just happens to die out, you're gonna go back to that long game cushion, which is your beef shawarma, your hummus, your your traditional stuff. Izzy's a big fan of the tongue tacos, so man, so we gotta give a shout out man, to my tacos, man. <laughs> my tacos are a huge part of me as well. But if that stuff doesn't work anymore, you can just go back to the regular bread and butter. Yeah. Now, we still try to push a lot of the Middle Eastern stuff out. And as you can see, sometimes I will go back to that, look on Instagram, and I'll post it because I don't want people to forget what brought me here. And this is pretty much what brought me to this platform. I'm just showcasing a little bit more on this special platform. As people start on. peeling back the layers on you. Yes. There. And then that's exactly that's yes. why this conversation is happening because it wasn't because, again, I've had fucking 100 Flamin' Hot Cheeto burritos in the past year. Yeah, like and, and it's it's not happening because I look like Drake or anything like that. It's fucking happening because it's the fucking hot cheeto burritos. No, so. Actually, that's the only reason we brought you. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do the Kiki dance? Please? <laughs> Damn, well, you look like Drake. And your Insta stories are very personal. I think as your brand grows, you're gonna have more, your you as a brand is really going to make those haters that turn down the Ali hot sauce. They're gonna 
they're gonna regret saying that because oh, that I know brand will be stronger. I know they don't. I know they don't follow me. Of course, not their their personal pages don't follow me. But I know they're keeping tabs on me. You see it, bro. You see the little eye icon on Insta stories. I know they see it. I know, and I'm happy they see it. I'm enjoying that they're seeing it. And if they ever walk through those doors, I'm gonna welcome them like I welcome everybody. Open arms, man. Open arms. Do you, the two minds of a restaurant tour, especially as it relates to hype food, is something I, I get, but I want to talk about because I feel some type of way about you it. You got something on so your chest? Like, Let it out. Let's go. Come on. I Eli knows. Reach knows. I've been in our Slack channels. I've looked at videos that we've done that have performed well, editorials that have been top of the month that cover hot Cheetos, and I'm just like, why and fuck that? <laughs> mainly mainly because is if it's that easy and i'm not saying your job is easy i'm not saying the menu items are easy at all i'm saying that integrating hot cheetos into your menu isn't the hardest thing to do and then on and then on top of that like does it bastardize all the hard work that you're putting in on the other side of the menu that's going to be delicious for the for the remainder of your restaurant and does it brand these restaurants in a way that i mean it's not selling out because look food beast we do brand deals with whoever we do we do content that we're not always like this is the best thing so i get there's a line of of business doing business growing business and also being able to have the freedom to do what you want to do but when you when but when you come in here and also say like I wish I could take a step back, like how do you process that day to day when you're doing new menu items? Because for me it's just like it's hard to continue to see. To me, what looks like media bullshit stuff that brought us to your restaurant, but I'm excited to taste everything else because I trust Eli as a person and his word of mouth of everything else on the menu. That's what excites me. I'm gonna go to Downey for that food. I give a fuck about hot Cheetos, but like, so what's the balance in your mind? And like, when is it, is 80% as much as that's great sales, is that too much of the identity of the restaurant? Like, is there any part of you scared that this like, the identity does shift away from what's beautiful and what's good about the Middle Eastern cuisine and like That's being yes, being true. labeled as like a hot Cheeto restaurant, like th does that cross your mind or is it just like every day? It crosses my mind every day. Does it scare me? No. That's why you are the entrepreneur. You are the head coach. You are the point guard. You are the center. You're <laughs> making the fucking calls. At the same time, everybody is already doing what they do at the restaurant. So shawarma is being made, beef, chicken euros falafel grape leaves that's just a little bit of gravy on top of the turkey man because hot, hot cheetos is just always going to be there it's something you can add i mean you don't have to cook up hot cheetos you don't have to marinate hot cheetos you don't gotta slice hot cheetos fucking shit's in a bag man open that bitch up and throw it on <laughs> it it's an ingredient i think we're yes. far enough now in flaming hot cheetos that i would venture to say it's more than a trend and an ingredient and I, and I agree with that, but that also means that the media has to understand that just because someone's using hot Cheetos because of how uh, 
how available it is a- across restaurants now across the country. Yeah, and it, it, there's 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 everywhere. less novelty now, right? And sure. so I think that's where I, and I'm not I don't beef with any of these restaurants. I just choose not to eat it. But from a food beast perspective, I'm like, when is there a tipping point where why are we covering it? Because so many people use it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's the, that's part of the thing that I have to. But at the end of the day, I still understand why we're talking with Ali, why we entered that restaurant, why he's going to get additional exposure from Food Beast, even not on the hot Tito strip, was because hot Cheetos is on the menu. So that's why I, there's no fault. Of course, I, the business strategy is working. It's the current marketing model right. for, for a lot of a lot of restaurants and I think where Fatima's Grill has a, a better they're better suited to succeed because the food is good so again of those hundred restaurants that we ate that have burritos with flame and hot cheetos in them we don't cover all of them there is they're they're a mix it's hard to tell the difference between all of them so for me it really does come through as a marketing ingredient right now and you can either use it and succeed with it or you can use it and fail miserably because your restaurant i mean it could be worse it could be a hundred percent everybody everybody can make a burrito everybody and anybody can make a burrito they can slap whatever they want to slap on it i can go on there's some fire fucking food pages like on instagram right now so if i go on there and i'm like man that's that looks like the same shit i do but not everybody's gonna have the same flavor, man. Fatima's is unique with their flavor, and that's bottom line, man. Uh, I'm 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 confident, and I stand by my product. I don't think nobody can fuck with Fatima's Grill's ingredients and flavor right now. See, but everybody's different, man. Like everybody has their own way of showcasing what they do. Shout out to my boy, Mr. Fries, man. He's fucking... Oh, I love his Instagram. I haven't had know? any of his food, though. So, uh, um, fire. Shout out to my boy, All Flavor No Grease. See, Amazing it, food. Everybody has a unique way of doing what they do. And the way I do things is just my way. So, did, did the prison kitchen with how you were making ramen burritos and incorporating the chips and the snack foods that you had Mm -hmm. did it weirdly prepare you for 2018 like no one else was prepared because you'd been doing this shit for years before the trend because that's the first time i've ever heard anyone talk about things that we have covered and also thought that were maybe never maybe not never but very rarely have seen the light of day like a ramen burrito before we covered it, we had no idea like anyone was doing it. Turns out our boy Ali was doing it in Arizona on the weekend on the weekends when he was fucking shit up in the kitchen. Food Beast covers everywhere and in the OC, Southern California, on the West Coast. I mean, you guys are fucking huge. If you guys ever hit the streets, ask the people if they've ever if they've ever had a burrito with noodles in it. And you're going to get a lot of more yeses than no's. I'm telling you, man. Recently, you guys posted something uh, uh, of a top ramen or a cup or some noodles and stuff like that. That shit gets a lot of hits for you guys, man. Because there's a lot of people that... Resonate with it. Yes, of course. And they can relate to that. They're not going to personally tell you why they can relate to that. (laughs) But put a mic behind that motherfucker or that female. She's going to tell you why she can relate to that. This is why I'm telling you a lot of people can relate to that. 
Now, does it taste good? You got to taste it for yourself. Sometimes it doesn't matter so much. Like, there's a lot of nostalgia to it. And people, uh, a lot of people fuck with Flamin' Hot Cheetos because they can relate back to a time where they're eating it. Can we all relate that Flamin' yeah. Hot Cheetos is something that we grew up on? Come on. Yeah, I grew up yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right? It was my lunch line. Like, yeah. it's cool. That's like, it's like Coke and Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Like, that's there's it. an affinity to it. Cup noodles, ramen, it's the same idea, right? And like, which, it, you can think which back one to of us time. never opened up that fucking um, half ass turkey and cheese sandwich and put some fucking chips in there yeah like all day and you think and, and everyone becomes a chef in that moment like yes. <laughs> dope or not you don't have to go to culinary school so what we're doing is what Mitchell and S did years ago and bring back those fucking throwback jerseys those mm. hot hats we're just bringing that shit back but we're on a platform now back then there wasn't no Instagram and, and we are on a, a platform where it's th this is huge man and now we have an opportunity to showcase what we can do but with the childhood memory that we just bring along i mean i think it's I, so interesting your streetwear background there's so much like that we've covered of successful businesses in the food game that have had entrepreneurs who were once in street culture and oh, street yeah. fashion yeah. because they're treating restaurant food with that sensibility that cool that how do we that get a street swagger? Yes. Yeah. yeah, because you. What I learned from the folks that we've talked to and our friends that used to be in street culture and streetwear, they had to create from nothing. They had to be frugal with their surroundings. Oh yeah. And how do you get hype without a hundred thousand dollar marketing budget? You fucking throw flaming hot Cheetos on your burrito. Once they learn about the burrito, they learn about the extent of your menu. Yes. The guys from After's Ice Cream, majority of them used to run streetwear brands. They used to run clothing shops. Indeed. So they design their ice cream stores to look like clothing shops and not like ice cream stores because ice cream stores are a dime a dozen. They're failing. And so I think that's a really interesting way is that you can kind of learn from your surroundings. Indeed. And we're in the generation currently that we're seeing what people learn from streetwear. We can all learn from one another. There should be no hate when it comes to the food game. Everybody on Instagram is just out there trying to feed one child, trying to feed a family, trying to pay some rent, just trying to get through in life. Hey, it's better than selling drugs. I'd rather go back to prison for telling the fucking judge, man, I'm booked for selling a certain amount of fucking hot Cheetos, man. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's 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 all love. There's enough money for everybody when it's where it's, whether it's ice cream stores, yogurt lands, and stuff like that. And everybody's getting into the fucking hot Cheetos mix and the hot Cheetos game. More power to you. There's a lot of money to be made out there. Uh, you know, keep they away and you know just keep doing you, man. Just keep grinding, man. That's it. Was there was there anything else from a business perspective that something that maybe you didn't learn from the clothing business, but you learn? being inside that helped you on the outside was there anything like how did that shift perspectives and what outside of the motivation was there anything kind of from a learning perspective of like gonna take this with me and i'm gonna apply it when i start a business i was just kind of curious because i the people the friends that i have that went to prison had such a life-changing perspective uh that like they're really like not only different people but again like the way they look for opportunities the way they uh hustle is like on a just and 
I haven't. I've only seen the hustle from you through Instagram stories and through anecdotally. But the even the vibes that I pick up in this conversation is kind of like it's just hustling on another level. And I don't know if that's something picked up, learned. If that's like you had it from the beginning and there was nothing you learned in prison. But I was I was just kind of curious if there's anything from a business perspective that kind of drove you to more success with Fatima's. I don't know if anybody on this table remembers an old business owner that owned a chain of like 15 clothing stores in all of Los Angeles. I think Izzy might be able to relate on this one. Uh, icon in the Mexican uh, world. Clothing store by the name of Three Hermanos. Tres Hermanos. That was my first ever job on Pacific Boulevard in the city of Huntington Park. Selling boots, Tony Lama, Lucchese, ostrich boots, and, 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 and Stetson hats and stuff like that. So uh, the gentleman at the time uh, was a young business owner, man. And I seen that fight and that hunger. And uh, I, seen, I seen the guy grind every day for like 15 years. And I'm talking about I'm, I was like 14, man. I got a job when I was 14. Dropped out of high school early. I seen money at an early age. But what I can tell people now is there's certain things that you go to school for. You go to college. And there's certain things that can be taught. You can sit down and you can, you know, take classes for and sessions for. It's either you got it in your DNA or you don't, man. Not everybody can be Kobe Bryant. Not everybody can be clutch like certain individuals. It's in my blood to to hustle every day. And what I took from prison to answer your question is waking up in the morning not to an alarm clock. Waking up in the morning to, you know, somebody saying, hey, get up. Attack the day. Attack the day. It's four, five o'clock in the morning. And I took not being home for Thanksgiving, not being home for Christmas, not being home for my kids' birthdays, not being home on dates that you never want to remember stuff like that again. So I took all that and I put it in my bag of tricks and I still open that bag of tricks to this day. I still look back at my down times when I hit the ground face first and I'm happy I hit the ground face first. I'm happy I did that time and I'm happy I went through the path I went through. Unfortunately, there was a lot of bumps in that path, but you always gotta remember where you came from. And I think prison really taught me a huge lesson to don't try to be too Hollywood. Remember where you came from. And it's been years, man, and I, I've, I don't drive a Lambo. I don't, I'm not fancy. I'm a shoe freak, yeah, but other than that, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Hollywood. I mean, the guys seen me, I get asked all the time, is the owner here at the location? And I'll be the one sweeping, looking in the background. I wash dishes, I sweep, I get on my knees, I go to work, and I just try to make my place not better than the competition's place. I'm trying to make it as good as they are so we can all look good. If I look good, everybody else in the food game looks good. 
I don't hate on nobody's page. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't throw negative comments on anybody's food. Oh, this looks nasty. Nah, because I'm in no position to do that. Like I said, I'm just, I'm just, I'm happy to be here. I'm humble. I'm humble to be where I'm at because this can be taken away just mm -hmm. like it did years ago, just like that. So leave it all on the line, man. That's it. That's that chip. That's that chip on the show. That's that right? chip. See? You got that fucking Jacks of the Sons of Anarchy coming out of here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm on, I'm on the fucking uh, head of the table I here, knew. and I'm about to, I just need my. Run the gavel, man. I, yeah, I man. knew it would come back to Sons. <laughs> I knew we were talking about Sons in the pre interview. I, I just knew there was going to be like, there's going to be an Opie reference, there's going to be a Jax reference. No I, I knew team, it was gonna... Don't bring up Opie, man. Opie, man. I what love a perfect you, segue to our FX sponsorship. We... <laughs> Shout out to Mayans MC, one of the great shows we haven't seen yet. <laughs> Anyways. Sutter, give us a call, man, because we can do something. <laughs> yeah, dude, we should do one about the food game. Ooh. I'm telling you. I mean, you guys are killing the food game, man. Props to Food Beast, man. I, I don't know. You know what? You gave me a tour of the place like as soon as I walked in. Uh, major, major shout out to you guys, man. What you guys do is not looked at every day on on Instagram, but I know there's a lot of hard work and dedication. I know some of you fuckers don't sleep at night because there's, there's a lot of brainstorm going on. I've seen a lot of coffee on tables upstairs, so I know you guys drink fucking caffeine like it's water. Yeah. So, um, shout out to you guys. May may the Lord keep blessing you guys every day, and may all doors in life just bust wide open man Likewise we appreciate you, that appreciate we appreciate it. that and thank we appreciate you, you, you coming you. on being <laughs> candid <laughs> thank you. wednesdays are good wednesdays are good all right man thank you brother appreciate right, you guys thank you thanks thank everyone you. for listening yes sir leave that review on the itunes yes sir. store we love that we really appreciate that maybe shout out jeff cutnick and that and that laugh maybe a little eli aru tell him to be a little more assertive and if you want ali back go to his restaurant bring food and then leave a comment Anyways, guys, thank you for listening very much. And if you have a question uh, or guest suggestion for any of the upcoming catch-ups, please tweet at us, at Food Beast. Mm -hmm. Let us know who you want to see on here and topics that you want to suggest. There's a lot of unique guests out there, guys. Come on, get in yeah. there. Yeah, do that yeah hit, us, hit us up because we're looking for that weekly guest. So and it might Food be Beast. you. You might be in there listening with your concept right now. Let us know. We actually have a new email, the catch-up. K-A-T-C-H-U-P at foodbeast.com. Love the fucking name, by the way. Yeah. Love the name. There we go. Love the name. There we go. Anyways, thanks again. Thank you. Bye, guys. We out.